Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, here with uh, host Lou Weiss, who is the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio, and also the president of All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings and seamless rolled rings, check out steelforge.com. Joining us today is Dr. Chris Keel. He is with Armada Corporate Intelligence. He's an economist with a sense of humor that can make uh, light of a heavy subject. Chris, thanks for joining us again. You're so welcome. Thanks. So Chris, Lou uh, has done the ISM reports this week with Tim Fiore and Anthony Nieves. The manufacturing number dropped in around 46. The services dropped around 51. Um, everybody was running around like a chicken with their head cut off, screaming gloom and doom. How do you see it? Yeah, it's a little concerning, but it's not surprising. And we've been seeing that steady drop in the numbers for the last almost a year. I mean, if you go back about a year, we were in the 60s and then came to the low 60s and then the 50s and then the low 50s. If there's a little bit of good news on the purchasing managers index front, it's that when you look at the international numbers, they're beginning to improve. You had last month 19 countries that were under 50 now there's only 11 um so you've begun to see a bit of a recovery particularly in europe um the countries that have been consistently in the 50s still are uh india is at the top of that list mexico is up there we're all sort of suffering from the same kind of hangover from the supply chain crisis of last year a lot of what's in feared with manufacturing is heavy inventory build. Countries that were very concerned about supply chain overbought and for logical reasons, they weren't sure if they were gonna be able to get these parts in the future. They were tired of having to turn down customers because they were missing this assembly or that part or that chip. So when they got access, they bought more than they ever had before. Now we have to work through that inventory before the reorder cycle starts and so you've seen a lot of manufacturers who are like well we think we're going to get more demand later but for the time being our customers are sitting on inventory that they bought last year and until they work through that they're not going to ask for anything more and so we knew this was going to start showing up uh, in the data and now it is let's get one thing straight about mexico the only yes. reason why they're above 50 is because of ransom kidnappings. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not entirely true, um, though it's probably a factor. The, the big challenge with Mexico, I mean, not even a challenge, it's just the reality. The reason that Mexico has seen growth is that with all the reshoring that we have seen, we've seen even more nearshoring. Um, Mexico has picked up an awful lot of business because companies that are leaving China are still looking for that low production cost environment. They're still looking for low wages, they're still looking for more relaxed regulatory attitudes, and they're finding it in Mexico. So Mexico's never seen a higher level of foreign direct investment than they have in the last year. 45% of that is new. So it's brand new stuff coming into the United States. And before we leave the reshoring question for later, something that's really interesting that we're just starting to see, <clears throat> Chinese companies are moving to the United States to get away from China. 
the I was talking to a economic development guy in Nebraska, and he said I had the most bizarre experience two weeks ago. <clears throat> very very rich Chinese guy comes into my office and says I am moving to Nebraska. Really? Yes. China does not like wealthy people anymore. They're talking about massive taxes, massive regulations. I can't afford to do business there anymore. I'm moving here. What do I have to do to move to Nebraska? And my friend said, well, you start by becoming a Husker football fan, and then it's all kind of uphill from there. But the guy literally was dripping money and said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it today today i'm i'm going to build a facility today i'm i'm out of china permanently and it's like really it says, yeah really i can't i can't make a living there anymore and my customers are here they always have been but i produced in china now i'm going to produce here and that's happening at a pretty rapid clip because china has turned back to the days of mao and the wealthy in china are not too thrilled with that and they're exiting they're going to other asian countries more than they're coming here but they're starting to come here too not only are they looking to invest in this country in terms of manufacturing but they're buying up farmland to mm -hmm. the point that there may be more chinese in the farm fields than there are americans yeah, and they're doing that for a couple of reasons. One, they're seeing it as kind of a hedge against some of the economic issues that they're maybe dealing with. And they're also anchoring their kind of living arrangements. It's kind of like what Vancouver has been going through for the last 20 years when the Canadians sort of opened their borders and said, if you invest sixty to $120,000 in Canada, you can get on the fast track to Canadian citizenship. So the Chinese that are looking for a kind of a, a fleeing destination, if things get too bad here in China, where do I go? And they made the calculation that if we end up becoming important to some of the rural areas of the United States, maybe we're going to get kind of favorable treatment. And that ominously is often the case. I mean, these economic development people in rural areas are like, we need money, we need people investing. And so come on in. If you're trying to run away from G, run here. The only problem with that, of course, is our political system where you have right. one side that will not be in favor of that. Oh, yeah is in favor and i'm not using names notice that tim <laughs> well and to be honest you know neither party has been particularly pro-trade of late i mean there was a report that just came out from the imf that said trade is expected to decline globally uh, from about 3.8 percent to three percent and the rationale is that you're seeing a lot of deterioration of globalization, which we've been watching for the last several years, but it's also geopolitical. And where you used to have sort of pro-trade people in the Republican Party, those people are mostly gone. Uh, there were pro-trade people in the Democratic Party, they're mostly gone. So now both parties are suspicious of global trade. They've become much more nationalistic, much more isolationist, both of them, than they have been in the past. I have a battle cry that I use periodically when we get to this type of discussion. 
bring back Bill. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like we, we need to we need to bring back American hegemon. You know, what you could do is really expand your war cry to bring back Grover Cleveland. <laughs> you know, he was president twice, you know. Yeah, but he's not alive anymore. Well, yeah. you can't really tell that some of ours are either. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> But folks, we're not talking politics. Don't get confused. <laughs> we're not talking politics. No, we're, we're just being ageist. Um, and, and I can do that because, you know, I'm, I'm nearly 70, so I'm making fun of myself. So it's okay. Well, I'm nearly a decade beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we can both laugh at Tim. He's the young'un. Yeah. yeah. It's Tim doesn't talk politics anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, the uh, Armada Corporate Intelligence, your organization, puts out a report once a month. We do. Uh, a tome on all kinds of things due to manufacturing called the Strategic Intelligence System, Armada Strategic ACES for short, or as is, which we love. Right. Um, and by the way, folks, there's a, a special on it, two months free. You really ought to connect with this report. It's powerful information. But what's the ACES report showing about mm -hmm. the next several months for manufacturing? Yeah, the sort of the origin of this is a recognition as to how important manufacturing is for the overall economy. And I'm not going to go into my standard rant, but we don't really understand the role manufacturing plays. We don't realize generally that we still account for 40% of the global value of manufacturing because what we make is very expensive. It's airplanes and road building equipment and mining equipment and all that sort of stuff. So end of rant, what we try to track is what's happening with the industrial economy. And we've been doing this now for about five or six years. The guy that built our system used to be a lieutenant colonel in the artillery. And he pointed out that accuracy was really, really important in his previous job. And he developed a really sophisticated system. Our accuracy rate has been consistently 96 to 95% quarter over quarter, month over month. And as for your suggestion, I'm just gonna quickly show what this looks like. Um, so people have an idea what we're talking about. It's impossible to read uh, in this kind of a slide format, but it is, and now it's not even showing up at all. So here we go. I'm not even going to try to share. Um, <laughs> my computer is not cooperating. What we are finding is that you've got some really good performance in key sectors, but you've got other sectors that are beginning to drag a little. Um, overall, the numbers have begun to fall from the peak that we saw last year and the year before. But automotive is still trending far above the 20-year trend line. Aerospace is still trending above that 20-year trend line. You're still seeing a lot of growth in sort of the electronics sector, which is no big surprise. Where we're seeing decline is in things like general machinery. We're seeing some declines in some of the primary metal, fabricated metal categories. They're not crashing, but they're under that trend line. And 
when you look at the historical numbers, and we have those in the report too, you can see that things like primaries and fabricated metals, they always look like an EKG. They're up and down and up and down and up and down, depending on supply and demand. So the signal that we're getting is kind of back to my original context. We're sort of dealing with over inventory right now, but we still have some very powerful sectors it's hard to sort of overestimate the importance of automotive. I mean, it's just a huge driver of manufacturing, has been for 100 years and continues to be. This past week, Easter, Ramadan, and Passover, it's like everybody left the country. This was <laughs> the worst booking week that all metals and forges had in three years. <laughs> and spring break. So between right. those four, there's nobody around. It takes, takes me 15 minutes to get to work, but it normally takes me 30. So that's a good <laughs> indicator for this past week. Yes, and on the other hand, if you were flying, as I was in the last week, <clears throat> there were people laying in the aisle there were at least six people in the lavatory. The pilot had five people in his cockpit with him. Um, so <laughs> it was kind of like, and I was pretty sure I saw them being loaded by cargo. Um, there were all these FedEx people packs, which had human beings in them and a little straw. I mean, yeah, so the air airlines were doing quite well. Right, right. Uh, I did notice in your uh, ACES report, and, and it's dear and dear to my heart, is Manufacturing Outlook, which, by the way, is the name of our monthly easing yes, yes. you subscribe to for free. It's about a 60-page uh, uh, document. You can come to uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio, and you can sign up there, or you can come to ManufacturingOutlook.com, and you can sign up there. It is free. Not many things and, in life are free. And it frequently includes an article from me after I've been beaten about the head and shoulders by Tim and Lou, uh, <laughs> who point out that I once again missed the deadline by about three months. Um, but <laughs> Well, you're bad, but not that bad. <laughs> but there's uh they talk about the uh the model is now showing a full year 2023 uh, contraction of in manufacturing of 0.115 which isn't uh it's not terrible uh but it shows a trend and right. uh, but uh to counter that the machine tool index uh uh, report. Uh, Tim, you have those numbers, I think. Uh, last yep. year, it was up, it was up 20, almost 23%, uh, which is a leading indicator of what's mm -hmm. coming six to nine months down the road, which puts us at the third quarter of 2023. So there could be contractions. And and that's a good sign because that kind of goes to that whole, again, inventory deal. The fact that you have 80% of companies reporting that they're overstocked. And part of the confusion as to where the economy is going is that if that inventory gets used up, then that reorder cycle 
cranks into high gear and and everybody is having a good day. One of the challenges you can just see played out in the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now study. They have a running assessment of what's happening in the quarter. So rather than just staking a number and sticking with it for three months, it changes almost every day. At one point, it was considered 2.6% growth. Then it was 3.2% growth. Now it's down to 1.7% growth. And what's changing that from day to day is getting rid of that inventory. And so if you look down the road, you can assume that a lot of that inventory is going to be used up in the next quarter or two. And then bingo, you've got the growth in third and fourth quarter. So I'm kind of looking at what we're dealing with now as a temporary, maybe two-quarter slump based on overproduction. You're going to start seeing a lot of inventory globally gobbled up as China really starts to get underway again. China is out of the COVID protocol, but it took a while to kind of get its act together. Now it is producing at pretty close to its normal levels that sucks up a lot of inventory and we're starting to see a lot of that within the u.s as well so i'm pretty confident about third quarter um i think second quarter may be one of the most volatile that we've seen in a while where every time you look at it it's like oh good news no bad news oh good again no bad oh good bad good goodish badish good kinda um and finally settle down in third quarter well, of course, third quarter also is the summer. Yeah. Which which typically is bad. It can be, but it's also, yeah, it also is when, depending on the cycle, that's when a lot of the retailers and the wholesalers begin to load up for the coming Christmas season. And if they have been delayed because they've been worried about inventory, they may not do that reordering until late in that cycle um we're starting to see the shipping companies anticipate that and they're saying well we think we're going to get a lot more activity later in the season than usual we're not seeing as much now but we're expecting to see a lot more come the end of the season so you're starting to see the the big maritime shippers even the rail and, and trucking companies anticipating more demand um later in the year it's interesting you you talk about shipping. Uh, I have almost never seen logistics companies, shipping companies, trucking companies sending out emails looking for business. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it almost daily. Yep. And I'm now even getting spam calls from trucking companies. So and that's that's really never happened. So right. they're out. They're out there scrounging for business, or at least they want to be first in line in mind when business does boom. And that's a reaction to what happened last year. We began the year in 2022 with this massive capacity shortage, and you at one point had 14 loads for every truck on the road. That prompted the development of 65,000 new trucking companies in less than a year because there's no industry easier to get into than trucking. I mean, if if Tim wakes up tomorrow and says, I'm tired of this MTR stuff, I don't want to wear yellow ever again, I'm going to be a trucker. What do I need? And we would just 
tell Tim you need a truck and a CDL. And if you have those, you sir are a truck and you can have a yellow truck. And so it's immediately created this huge flow of new companies. Well, now that the business is slacking off a little bit, they're mostly leaving as quickly as they came in. And the companies that are trying to stay in the sector are now very aggressively looking for work because that 14 load per truck is now down to three loads per truck. And so the capacity issue has diminished. Where are they getting the drivers? It was a big, a big problem shortage. too. Big driver shortage. And as a result, you are you're seeing a lot of scramble for experienced drivers. Unfortunately for those of us on the highway, you're getting a lot of really inexperienced drivers, um, people that quite literally got their CDL yesterday, and it's like, hot dog, I'm a, I'm a trucker. And it's like, what's the biggest vehicle you've ever driven before this? A smart car, but I can handle it. Um, so, yeah, it's if you've noticed that there's my gauge of how inexperienced drivers are is to watch the weather channel and realize that for 27 years, they've had a show that features truck wrecks and they never seem to run out of them. Um, it's like, well, there's Jamie again with another trucker off the side of the road. Holy cow. <laughs> and highway through hell. And Exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's a, they never run out of ammunition. No, One of the don't. things I have noticed uh, regarding drivers is that, uh, and I, I drive a highway to get to work to and from, and I see a lot of truckers, and a lot of the truckers today are women. Yes, very definitely. You're seeing a much broader recruiting range. Um, they tend to be younger. There's a lot more women. Um, there are a lot of people who are immigrants. You're seeing a lot more probably the largest percentage of new immigrant truckers have been from Eastern Europe and from South Asia. You see a lot more Indian, Pakistani, also see a lot of, of truckers from Eastern Europe because those industries were very large and are very large in those countries. So as they've been making applications to come to the U.S., it's one of those things where, what's your skill? I drive a truck. Oh, yeah? Come right on in. Very true, but we've run out of time, so we want to thank everyone for this watching this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can find us on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all of those. Uh, and also check us out on uh, WLEAAM Radio up in Hornell, New York. You can find us on Rumble and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>